Right, thanks for coming on. Um, it's short, so short notice. Um, so, hi everyone. Tonight on Scottish Paranormal Podcast, we have Stephen Bassett on. Um, Stephen is a political activist for UAP um, Disclosure. Um, you've been you started the Paradigm Research Group since 1996. I'm aware of, and you continued on um, from there. Do you want to introduce yourself? If there's probably a lot more accolades in there that I've probably missed that. Um, you could probably let the listeners know exactly kind of what you're all about and what you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm a political activist. Uh, mm-hmm. I set up in 96, registered as a lobbyist uh, on the ET issue. First one to ever do so. That got the attention of the Washington Post. They came out, gave me a big interview, put me up on the business front page, big photo. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I was, my career was launched. Uh, and I've now been at it 26 years. Uh, simple, singular goal um, to end the truth embargo, as I came to call it, uh, used to be called the UFO cover-up, on the the reality of an extraterrestrial presence, Mm -hmm. which the government has known about since the 40s, but made a decision that it would, well, embargo it, essentially. They couldn't really make it a secret because the ETs come and go as they please, but they just embargo it, meaning we're going to ridicule it, demean it, isolate it, classify it, undermine it, misinformation it, so that people won't touch it. They'll stay away from it. It'll become uh, the the phenomena whose name must not be spoken. Uh, <laughs> and they succeeded. Yeah. yeah. 76 years now. And so <clears throat> I knew as a teenager that it was obviously extraterrestrial. I always expected that the government would come and uh, you know, would tell us about it because it would be pretty cool. I love science fiction and so the idea of extraterrestrials being here was, to me, wonderful. Yeah. So it didn't happen. And at the age of 49, I made the decision, this is what I want to get into. And this truth embargo, get the confirmation from the president of the United States, which I came to call a disclosure with a capital D. Mm-hmm. It is the prize of this activist movement. I'm not alone. There are There have been thousands of people over the years who have been working to end the truth embargo. For yeah. most of the first five decades, it was based upon piling up evidence just keep piling up evidence because once you get enough evidence, the government will have to yield. No, it's not about science. It's about a political policy. And so until you end the political policy of embargo, this will go on forever. And so more people got into the political side of this. We sometimes call it exopolitics, a good word. I like that word. Uh, it is certainly the disclosure movement. And the goal is the gov- the president of the United States will confirm this extraterrestrial presence in front of the people to the media, hopefully soon, possibly within a couple of months, Mm -hmm. uh, it's over, it's done. We've had enough of this game. Mm -hmm. And that's my job, 26 years on, very singular, very focused, that's it. Well, I totally appreciate everything you do. Um, And I'm sure a lot of others do as well. Um, The reason I wanted to get you on is, I think you know why, obviously, what's going on in US politics and now with the NDAA, um, it was mainly to kind of bring my listeners up to speed, mainly what's been happening. Um, if you can just maybe briefly go through the NDA, how it was kind of put into place, is that off with the act and in, in regards to the the Schumer Rounds Amendment, and then going through there, where we are now uh, in the last last week or or so, um, we've been through there. So it's mainly my listeners. I mention it, talk about it, now and again, know as in depth as yourself, know as eloquent as yourself. Um, but in regards to it, I'll bring it up and it would give them a better insight to actually what to understand it because uh, outside um, 
this field, as you probably know. Um, nobody knows about it. Um, it's getting it's getting more traction. It's getting a, a lot more traction, um, even in the UK. Um, but um, that was the kind of reason to get you on. You're going to go through that, and obviously, how it's going to impact us as well, being here in the UK, um, being one of the five eyes, and you know, what I mean, so it is going to impact everybody, as you know. So could you um, start us off where, um, if, whatever kind of starting point you think is good to start at? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, yeah, let me sum it up real quickly. Uh, the truth embargo starts to, the final phase of the truth embargo begins in December of 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, a major stories were, were published in the New York Times, uh, written by Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal, and Helene Cooper. Uh, these stories were uh, really unprecedented, but most importantly, they were accompanied by some evidence brought to them by Luis Elizondo and Chris Mellon. Uh, and the evidence was gun camera footage of UAPs. Not don't know what was in this footage exactly. Mm -hmm. It was still unidentified. Yeah. But the point was, is that this was the first time ever that any nation had ever formally released gun camera footage from a UAP intercept. Now, that's a big deal. Definitely. Uh, our, our DOD let that out. And then once it got out, did nothing about it. And so that gun camera footage became the focus of those two articles, which had plenty in them and revealed quite a bit, got yeah. a lot of attention. Uh, and, and they were put up on the website of the New York Times. Since then, they've been seen by probably a billion times uh, all over the world. Uh, and that's the beginning, December of 2017. Over the next three years, a lot was going on behind the scenes. A lot of coverage, certainly, uh, by the media, which I, I chronicle on my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, under resources, print media archive. 15,000 articles are linked. You can go read all 15,000. There's uh, approaching 1,800 for this year, the most ever. This is curated from twice or three times as many. This is basically the mainstream you know, professional press, not just anything yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, over the next three years, a lot is going on behind the scenes, a lot of media coverage, a lot of movement, uh, as we also went through difficult times here in the United States, as did the UK, yeah. political, yeah. epidemic, and epidemiological, <laughs> and geopolitical. Uh, but nevertheless, progress was made. But the real, not the real, but the final act, I think, of this saga uh, begins uh, in 2020 uh, when the Congress uh, the, the Senate Intelligence Committee makes the decision to move on this. Uh, the appropriate committee, to be sure. Uh, so uh, Marco Rubio and others formulated some some uh, uh, legis legislation, uh, not just any legislation. They put it in the National Defense Authorization Act, which is one of our major bills, authorizing the, the, the expenses and the, the basis by which the government is going to be protected, uh, U.S. is going to be protected. Yes. So this was the first tranche of legislation. The 2021 NDAA uh, signed in December of 2020 by the president. Uh, it was followed the next year by another piece of legislation, legislation again in the 2022 NDAA. And this was twice as, as large as the other. It helped set up Arrow, provided a lot of uh, structure to what we'll call the disclosure process. And then in 2023, uh, 2022, uh, a, another bill was signed, the 2023 NDAA. Mm -hmm. And this was even more comprehensive. 
this established witness protections and other matters, fleshed out the arrow, uh, a substantial piece of legislation, twice as large as the one before. Hmm. And then comes this year. This year, a great deal has happened. Uh, but one of the things that happened was the fourth piece of legislation was formulated as before, primarily from the Senate and the Senate Indian Committee. Uh, all previous three Senate submitted bills were passed after reconciliation with the House of Representatives, almost without any reductions. A couple of small changes weren't huge. This one was a big bill. This one was the final infrastructure, frankly, legal infrastructure to begin immediately the process by which everything the government knows on this subject of mm -hmm. unidentified phenomena, extraterrestrials, extraterrestrial presence, and the history of the truth embargo was eventually going to be come, come out of the classified world through a process of review and so forth mm -hmm. and end up in the National Archives. All of it starting immediately. Now, it might take several years before all of it gets out, but nevertheless, it was going to begin. And that establishing that process and setting up Arrow and all of this infrastructure was, was all about preparing for the disclosure event, preparing for the day after the president of the United States confirms the extraterrestrial presence, which we call disclosure with a capital D. It was not about, as some mistakenly think, uh, the government finally getting around to trying to find out what this is. That's ridiculous. The government's <laughs> known about it forever. And so it was about preparing for disclosure itself. But they couldn't say that because if they said that, that would be disclosure, right? And so they had to walk this difficult, complex path, not saying this, not saying that, being really mendacious at times to try to get the DOD involved properly, get the members of Congress involved, and just keep it in a package and a process that was going to be okay, at least from the standpoint of these individuals, because they didn't want, they don't need to take too much risk. They have concerns. I would have been more aggressive, but it's okay. <laughs> and so the process has been to establish this platform. This bill did it. But this bill, which was introduced by not just a member of the Senate Intel Committee, but by the Senate Majority Leader, one of the most powerful member in our government, uh, Senator uh, Chuck Schumer, this got a lot of attention. And when he announced this bill, when he announced the language that he was going to, he and My Michael Rounds were going to put in to what was already submitted, it expanded it to 70 pages, yeah. making it more than twice as large as the previous one. Right. In fact, as large as all three previous bills put together. And this bill, basically went for the home run, grand slam, all right? The bill was gonna include eminent domain. The government would would make it clear that the non-human technology that David Grush had come forward and testified under oath about belonged to the government. It was going to set up a review board uh, that was appointed by the president. And it, it was going to give the highest classification status to the review board and certain members of Congress and certain committees as part of the oversight. And it was going to give them subpoena power meaning they could pull anybody from anywhere in the government to come forward and talk to them. Not, not a criminal proceeding, proceeding, but we want to talk to you. And if they don't agree, then you subpoena them. That's the grand slam. That's the ball game. That forced the fundamental opposition to ending the truth embargo out of cover. Hmm. They could not, do, the pre previous three bills did not threaten their interest. This one did.
And so what happened was we got very serious pushback against the Senate bill as as it goes into what we call in the U.S. reconciliation between the Senate and the House of Versions. That's how we do it here. And so ultimately, there is a final bill, which may or may not have changes, usually has some changes. Yeah. That then is resubmitted to the House and the Senate to be voted again. If they clear it, then it goes to the president to be signed. And in this reconciliation process, big time pushback occurred. We know where it came from. We know who represented it. It came primarily from the defense contractors, the ones that have been working on this non-human technology, extraterrestrial technology, ever since they came into their hands, going all the way back to the 40s. Hmm. Let me put it this way. We, we obtained vehicles no later than 47. That was Roswell. Uh, when we started turning them over to civilian defense contractors, it was probably much later. Hmm. But it's not shocking because we do this with our nuclear submarines, our fighter jets, and our surveillance technology. Uh, a great deal of it is developed in civilian hands under deep classification. So there's nothing unusual about this. And of course, that's where they put the ET tech. And so they've been studying it, reverse engineering it for decades. But they couldn't capitalize on it. They couldn't make products. They couldn't They couldn't make money for their shareholders because the truth embargo required it to remain classified. Even for government use, it would be delicate. I mean, you couldn't start flying anti-gravitic craft around and putting U.S. Air Force on them because that would end the truth embargo. Yeah. And so they've been sitting patiently waiting for the opportunity to cash in. And so when Chuck Schumer and, uh, uh, said, we want eminent domain in this bill, meaning all that tech you have belongs to us and the government will decide how it's going to be developed. And you may you may make money from it. You may be part of arrangements we make with you, but we, we will be the ones that decide it, not you, in the, in the interest of the American people. Uh-uh, no way. So they got in touch with their intermediaries who then got in touch with those members of Congress that were going to be in the reconciliation process. And they said, yank that out of the bill. But they had another concern. They didn't want to be subpoenaed. They didn't want anybody in their world to be subpoenaed and forced to go in front of Congress and publicly talk about what they have done. They would prefer that that remain private forever. Mm -hmm. And so they said, yank the subpoena power. And as, and for good measure, yank the, uh, 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 get rid of the uh, presidential, or not the presidential, but the, the UAP review board appointed by the president, nine-person review board. Yeah. Um, so, wow. So the battle went on uh, for days. We got wind of it. There was, you know, we were a lot of, they generated a lot of uh, social media response. People were not happy. Uh, then the then the, the House stepped in and they started pressing on it and submitted their own bill. I got a little ahead of my skis on that. I thought I was an attempt to supplant the other bill, but it wasn't. In fact, it was an attempt to get this some more language into the overall bill. This was something a little simpler because I think they thought that was going to the other bill was going to the Senate bill was going to be uh, the UAP Act and the Senate bill was going to be removed. And so uh, uh, Congressman Tim Burchett and, and Congresswoman uh, Anna Paulina Luna, Congresswoman Nancy Mace and some others, they they pushed back, went public. They're heroes. No question in this process. And so we watched and we waited and the bill was finally done. I say the UAP bill was done. They're still wrapping up on the NDAA, all right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's almost done. And so very shortly, it's going to go to the president. It'll be signed on the 21st of December. Now, on my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, also in my Twitter uh, uh, page, at uh, Steve Bassett, follow me, please. 
I have both bills up uh, in what I would call easy to, to read form. Because yeah, bills the, are awkward to read. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and I have them highlighted. And you can go and you can read, you can <clears throat> read the Senate bill as it was submitted, and then you can read the final bill and you can compare them. All right. And what you will learn is this. It wasn't as bad as we thought it might be, but it it had the changes that they wanted. In other words, the eminent domain was removed, the review panel was removed. The subpoena power was removed, providing the highest classifications to certain people that are part of the oversight was removed. But the basic essence of the Schumer bill is there. The process, talking about getting information ultimately into the National Archives, setting up some protocols with that um, and setting up, particularly setting up postponement protocols, which was in the first bill about if we postpone it, here is what we have to do, we have to explain it. But they really make it clear in this bill that the, the the postponement is potentially unlimited. It's in the power of certain entities. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that sense, it favors the truth embargo. Now, <laughs> will it will it really delay disclosure? I don't think so. Uh, it, but and, 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 it, and the one the most important thing it did was it did smoke out the uh the the contractors in other words it forced their hand and so what we know now as we as we move into 2024 mm -hmm. is that david grush has said there's a non-human technology multiple craft in the possession of the u.s government yeah that has been confirmed by other people yeah uh uh including uh, uh, tim burchett who said we have extraterrestrial vehicles chuck schumer has confirmed we have extraterrestrial vehicles and now the pushback by the defense contractors has confirmed we have extraterrestrial vehicles. So that <laughs> that is almost what we'll call informal disclosure. So that's what we've we've accomplished. Yeah. Now that sets the stage for the final act in the saga. Seventy-six years, it'll be seventy-seven years almost after Roswell. This could finally end early next year and needs to end. And the work that I'm doing now is focusing on that. The bill is adequate enough. It's okay. It hasn't really prevented the process. It's just given a little cover for now mm -hmm. to some people that are just not ready to be totally, you know, publicized and totally out in the open on this yeah. and have to give up their secrets. <clears throat> and so what I'm pressing for now is what has to happen. And that is a major hearing in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee, our Senate Intelligence Committee, the one that is chaired by Mark uh, Warner, who who was sponsor of the third bill, and uh, the ranking member, co-chaired by Marco Rubio, sponsor of the first bill. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that hearing, which could easily go on for weeks, but one week will be enough. Will take the testimony of could easily take the testimony of about twenty of the witnesses ready to testify, and these witnesses are like Grush. Mm -hmm. These people have clearance; they're firsthand in many cases. They will have testimony to the vehicles, to the tracking, to what we know. It will blow the truth embargo wide open. Mm. One week, two witnesses in the morning, two in the afternoon, five days, game is over. Once that is happened, once the, the, the hearings have taken place, about a week, then it will be quite easy for the president to come forward and confirm the ET presence, the non-human presence to the world, to, to the American people, mm. uh, 
by simply acknowledging what he has seen and what we have all seen, what the world has seen, which depoliticizes it and makes it more of a of a, of a, of a proper uh, uh, process. Uh, so the hearings could take a week. The president can confirm within days. That needs to happen in September. And so I just launched an activist project called Shift Storm. Don't forget the F, Shift Storm. <laughs> it's up on my website. It's up on all my social media, right? Just go to paradigmresearchgroup.org or go to at Steve Bassett Paradigm Research Group on Twitter. And you can see what is the pro this process, which is already underway. And it's very, very simple. It's not complicated. There are three people that are the target of this project. Not the, but they're not bad guys. They're the good guys. Mm -hmm. Senator Schumer, Senator Warner, Senator Rubio, who have been champions of this for, for three years, right? These three people are targeted because they have the most, they, they are empowered. They have the most ability to hold a uh, hearing for these witnesses. Nobody can stop them, basically. If they want to do this, it's going to happen. It's just, you can't stop it. Mm -hmm. And so they can hold this hearing anytime they want to. And so this is to get them to hold the hearing in January. And here's how it works. Anybody that's on Twitter anywhere in the world, we are asking them to start tagging messages to these three members of Congress. And so I have posted there their Twitter handles, right? Those that are not familiar with Twitter, fine. I get it. It's okay. Uh, join up. Uh, but in any event, Twitter handles. So you want to tag messages to them. So it would be at Senator Schumer, at, that's what you need for the tag, at Senator Schumer, at Senator, whatever the tag is. We, we appreciate all the work you've done. Now we must have the hearing for the witnesses in January. We want these military witnesses to testify before you in January. It is essential. We want to put 100,000 tagged messages like that into their notification box. Because when you tag a message to somebody in Twitter, the message automatically goes into their notification box. It doesn't turn up on their on their feed. It goes in the notification box because they've been <clears> tagged. <throat> and they track this. They have staffers that track this because they want to know what is being said about their boss on Twitter. And when these thousands of messages start showing up, they're going to go, well, hello, and they're going to go to their boss or their chief of staff and say, you need to check on this. Then the, then the member, the senator, will go, bring up Twitter, go to notification, and just scroll these messages, right? And see all of these questions, all of these uh, indications that people want these hearings, people all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. That's part one. Part two, I've, I've published all of their <laughs> email forms. Nobody gives out emails anymore. They do forms. And so you simply go to the form put your email address in whatever they ask for and then put the message in and it goes to them as an email into the yep. email staffers email box. And the message is the same thing. We want hearings in January for the military witnesses. All right. We want them before the Intel committee. Thank you for your work. You're doing a great job. Now let's finish the job. Hmm. We want 1,000, 100,000 emails to go into each one of the email boxes of all three of these senators. And if I assure you, that the staff will immediately report this to the member, to the chief of staff and say, check this out. It's very important. <laughs> Let me turn that off. Hang on. All right. So that is the basic <clears throat> essence of the shift storm. All right. Now, uh, 
in addition, we're saying, look, don't don't call the office. Don't 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 rain calls. No, no, no. That's not part of it. But, you know, if somebody wants to make a call, nice call, polite, thank them for their work and suggest getting these hearings. That's OK, too. All right. And so that's the shift storm. Uh, anybody in the world can do that email, I believe. Anybody in the world on Twitter can send those messages. And and again, these are three senators from three states, right? But uh, the Senate Intel Committee and this issue, this is a global issue affecting every person on the planet. Yeah, and totally. so why they may be senators of a state, they stand on the shoulders of history right now, capable of changing history. And so they have a responsibility to hold these hearings on behalf of the entire planet. And that's why I'm inviting people worldwide to get messages into Senator Schumer, Senator Rubio, and Senator Warner. That's what's up right now. Do, do you think that um, if these hearings take place, then down the line they could revisit another bill where they could probably insert eminent domain and like a... Yes. The group of nine back in there and things like that as well because then the pushback potentially couldn't happen after that because it'd be that much people yeah, exactly exactly the, the bill it. the bill that schumer has is the bill we want and and uh and and the fact is is that once disclosure is taken place once the confirmation from the president <laughs> is gone, which will be followed by confirmation from all the heads of state mm -hmm. they'll all they'll all fall in line immediately uh then that bill could be reintroduced and Basically, at that point, the public is not going to have much sentiment for uh, those that just want to hunker down, keep your head down. And those companies that want to make billions upon hundreds of billions of dollars from this tech purely in the interest of their shareholders. Yeah, I, I think they're going to say, no, nah. now nah, the government can cut deals with you, but we have it. It's our technology. It belongs to us. And so I think the bill would pass resubmitted as exactly it was originally written in past post-disclosure as a standalone bill. Yes. So I'm not that worried about it uh, first, but we have to get disclosure regardless. And that has to come in January. Mm. And there's a reason for that. Two very important reasons why they must do this in <laughs> January right away. The first one is that for those who are paying attention, we are in extremely dangerous, risky territory as a civilization right now mm -hmm. we have pushed the limits so many areas we can't even keep track of the tipping points but most importantly we have a bizarre war going on in the ukraine that has has caused numerous top officials to state that the risk of a nuclear event is greater than ever yeah a and a single tactical nuke shell fired makes that a nuclear war and puts europe in defcon one Mm -hmm. uh, there is uh, the, the a, a new, very significant era of terrorism about to begin again. Know where it's going to go, but it could it could be it could be huge. Yeah, uh, because certain issues have not been resolved, and uh, that terrorism could be nuclear. Because anybody that thinks we have complete and total accountability of all the nuclear materials, weapons, and <laughs> Yes. they're crazy okay turn themselves uh, on yeah definitely and, and so the heat is turned up it's getting extremely dangerous and there are other major hot spots in the world china keeps making moves towards taiwan and so if 
something really goes wrong and we end up with a nuclear situation, this disclosure thing is out of the, out of the picture. Yeah, it's, it's totally shoved to the side. God knows when we will get that information. God knows when this truth embargo will end. Meanwhile, the, the world's going to go through hell. So if something awful is going to happen, and it inevitably will, but maybe less likely, let it happen in the post-disclosure world. And so somebody's going to fire off a nuclear, I mean, a, a tactical nuclear shell in the Ukraine-Russia war. Hmm. Let it be in the post-disclosure <laughs> world. Yeah. After yeah. everybody on this planet knows that we're not alone in this universe, we have engagement from extraterrestrials, we have technology, and the future is really interesting, possibly unlimited. Let them know that hmm. so that when that event happens, the response to it will be sane. Hmm. And one of the things I've learned in life, and it's true for people and countries, is that things happen to you. Things happen to countries. And how well your life goes, how well your country's uh, 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 situation is, how it fares, is less about what happens to it or you, but how you react to it. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's how you <laughs> react to it. And so we need to be in the post-disclosure world in case something really awful happens so we will react to it differently. And the second reason is purely American. It's about us. It's not about any other country. And that is, is that we're going through a bad stretch of politics. Uh, it's very upsetting, very irritating, distracting, and wasting. Uh, we've had some bad elections. Well, this election coming up could be the worst ever. The most contentious, awful, silly, childish, pathetic election in our history. Mm -hmm. 2,000 people <clears throat> are going to run for the Senate, the House of Representatives, the governors. Throw in some important state senators. 2,000 candidates on the ballot. And one of two things is going to happen here. Either we're going to get disclosure early in 2024, before the first real primary, I think it's late February, maybe early March. Mm -hmm. And all of these candidates are going to have a chance to get up to speed on this issue in a post-disclosure world. Read some of these books behind me, watch documentaries, whatever. There's yeah. plenty out there for any, every one of them to get Go out and get acquainted and find, oh, oh, there's extraterrestrials here. I need to know about that and get at least some understanding of it so that as they campaign for their office, they can speak intelligently to this issue, which is very nonpartisan. And, and, the, and the electorate will have some sense of how they're dealing with it, what they think about it. Hmm. So when the election is completed and our new government begins in 2024, it will be filled with people whose views on the presence of non-humans in this world has at least been expounded and factored in to their election. Mm -hmm. Or we cannot do this. We can let this truth embargo extend in deep into 2024. And these all 2000 candidates are gonna be going out, trying to get lying and doing the usual crap that they do to try to get elected. <laughs> yeah. You know, spending millions of dollars to get a job <laughs> that pays 200,000 a year without knowing what the hell to say. I mean, the idea of non-human tech is now literally hanging, you know, from the ceiling. 
right? It, it's 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 everywhere, and they don't know anything, and it's not conf- it won't be confirmed by the government by the president, and so they're going to be asked, well, what do you think of David Grush? David who? What what about this non-human tech? Non-human what? And they're going to make even bigger fools of themselves, and the opportunity is going to be lost. And so it is absolutely imperative that Schumer, Rubio, and Warner call those hearings as soon as possible in 2024. I'm going to do what I can. Mm-hmm. I hope others will join in. Definitely. Uh, yeah. and, and that is what, again, I'm hoping to see next year. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting times. It's uh, the most interesting time, I think, anyway, and you probably think as well in, in the whole entire history we've been here. Um, it's, uh, it is, it's going to be crucial what happens over the next few months anyway. Do you think, Absolutely. do you think that um, if there's more pushback for some way or another with defence contractors that through pressure, through political means or whatever, if that pushback keeps happening, there's been talk there's been talk of reconciliation and amnesty um, for if there's any been some type of criminal acts being made or if there's been um, no oversight on these um, programmes and things like that. Do you think that that reconciliation and that amnesty will start to slip away the more the contractors push back against um, the government? All right, let's be clear. The reconciliation, we're talking about a different reconciliation. Uh, we were originally talking about the reconciliation of two versions of the NDA Act. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about truth and reconciliation in regards to contractors. Yeah, no, and there is some witness protection in the third uh, bill, the third uh, UAP bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's mu- really anything significant in this bill, but there is some. But that's just protection for witnesses doing their thing. Amnesty. And truth and reconciliation are probably going to happen, but it's it'll be post disclosure. It's not going to happen pre disclosure. I can assure yeah. you, not going to get that 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 through. Okay, uh, but believe me, after the president discloses, they will some. I will certainly call for it. Uh, I will do my thing uh, and try to get bills out immediately. Yeah, uh, uh, for amnesty, and and it's not about the contractors uh, per se. It's in general, but the contractors will perhaps benefit from it. Uh, and that is amnesty is simple. It means that uh, anyone who is uh, coming forward to speak and be and being and testifying and being asked information, right? If somehow in this process they inadvertently break a law, uh, even though these bills are trying to essentially address the possibilities, uh, they could still possibly break a law. And it just means that if you break a law as part of us getting information, you have amnesty. No problem. You're not going to be charged. You're safe. No problem. That's that's fine. And that will help. That will give people a little more confidence, yeah. uh, a little more willingness to come by. So they don't have to drag it out. They don't have to drag them forward. So we want a lot of information. We want it soon. Uh, and so that will help. Truth and reconciliation is another matter. Now, I do not think the instances which it might apply are that great. Truth and reconciliation became a thing and became uh, known to people on a uh, on a large scale uh, over the South African government when it uh, essentially gave yeah, up apartheid. Apartheid, yeah. Now apartheid, I assure you, 
during the apartheid era, a huge number of crimes were committed. Uh, that is not the case in the truth embargo. It's just they're just they're not even in the same ballpark. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was it was probably <laughs> essential if they were going to learn what happened during the apartheid era to have truth and reconciliation. And basically it worked. Desmond Tutu, I think, got a Pulitzer Prize, a Peace Prize for that, but I'm not positive. In any event, but some crimes have been committed uh, with respect to the truth embargo. And because this this is the truth embargo itself is unbelievable history. The presence of the ETs is history as well. Yeah. But history wants and needs to know everything that has happened since the modern era of this phenomena. We probably like to know everything that's happened going back thousands of years. And we got to go to ancient aliens for that. And there's a <laughs> limit to how much you can figure out. Yeah. yeah. But in the modern era, oh, absolutely. And so we, we need to know everything. And if any crimes have been committed, we need to know about it. And so truth and reconciliation will say, the, the law will basically say, if you committed a crime, clearly committed a crime, or are seriously thinking you did commit a crime, hmm. um, understand if you come forward and you and you provide everything about it, you every aspect, you you give us all the information that you know regarding to that event that is or could be criminal, you will be reconciled to society. You will not be charged. Hmm. You will not face charges. You will be reconciled. Uh, I don't think there's going to be that much need of it, but I think the people would ex would like it. They would want that. And um, uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the U.S. has committed so many crimes over the le my lifetime that I, I, I would like to see a, a blanket truth and reconciliation bill in which people can come forward about any crimes that the U.S. has committed at any time and be reconciled for complete information. But... That's just me, the crazy, foolish activist uh, who <clears throat> still believes America can be reformed and uh, and take a different path. But that's what truth and reconciliation is about. And it, it may help uh, get this information out sooner. Uh, and uh, that those, that's another, those are bills that could be quickly passed very quickly after disclosure. Do you, do you think... Um... Going back to 2017, um, or slightly before 2017, um, do you think there was some ulterior reason in trying to internally disclosure coming out in some sense? Do you think something was forcing their hand to try and um, to look at it more? As in, there's a, people talk about event 2027, things like that. I mean, so is it maybe, do you, do you feel that there could be something like that where... Their, their hands being forced to actually say, right, we need to try and put X, Y, and Z in place to try and disclose this? Or has it just been that much evidence and that much push through the years that's came ahead and it had to come out? Absent the detailed information hmm. uh, for the origin story of the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science, the group that came together, <clears> and, <throat> uh, we don't, we can't go much further than than what you just said and this is where i my my, my position is on this mm. that at this point barring a lot more information which could come out and should come out post disclosure uh the i think a, a reasonable way to look at it is this that every year that passed from 47 on certainly in the last 10 years 20 years 
more and more people inside the government, whatever their position, particularly the military intelligence complex, hmm. became inclined, leaning more and more towards ending the embargo. I mean, their sentiment was this, this needs to end. This thing has gone on too long. And so every year, there's more and more people moving into that camp. And at some point, it's kind of reached a critical mass where, look, this needs to get done, but it's not easy. And so what happened, in my view, is that 10 individuals were willing to take the risk. <clears throat> These are essentially people who were, I think, pretty much at the end of their careers. I think they were, I think, retired in the sense retired from what we'll call formal uh, employment, but they might have contracts, but they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're done in a, in a way. Their, their yeah. career, at least the government career is over. That doesn't mean they're not going to be making money. doesn't mean they don't have a contract. Yeah. They decided to come forward together as a group, obviously, you know, you want to go far, go, go together uh, and also to support each other and come forward with the idea of seeing if they could end this embargo. In other words, that, that was the reason they came forward. The way they came forward and so forth, there's reasons for that choice and how it happened and so forth. But ultimately, that was the intention. And I believe that that uh, amongst this 10, there, there were several who had a plan. But the very first thing they did as part of the plan was deliver the information that created the New York Times articles. That was a big deal. And that was only two months after they had, they had come forward online. Yeah. And given and announced their presence and given an interview. So they just only waited two months and then boom, they hit the New York Times to start the ball rolling. Now, the ball's been rolling for six years. Mm -hmm. Did they think it would take six years? I don't know. This actually may be good, a good time. Could have taken longer. But it, it, it was going to take a while because if the New York Times just set the stage. It just launched this issue. First, next, what had to happen is a lot of politicians needed to get brought up to speed. And that was being orchestrated by several people, the lead being Christopher Mellon. And so they're, they're, in, they're giving these opportunities for these people to meet these witnesses and meet pilots and what have you privately mm. without press and just get up to speed until they got enough understanding of it and comfortable enough. And they're also following the press coverage, which was extensive that they decided to take a move and literally create legislation. Mm -hmm. And that took three years. And so the, the New York Times articles appeared in 2000, December 2017, and the first UAP bill was signed assigned almost exactly three years later. I think it was December 23 mm -hmm. uh, in uh, 2020, three years later. And then things have been moving forward for three years, slowed down by extraordinary events without question, but what's notable, in spite of the extraordinary <clears throat> events of the last three years, the disclosure process has still kept moving. It's still process, yeah. Right. If it wasn't for some of these events, hell, we would we might have this thing already wrapped up by now. Hmm. And so, that is my sense of why then the consensus in the military intelligence complex had shifted so much towards let's end this thing that those ten people were willing to take the risk. And they took a risk, I assure you. It has not been an easy ride for any of them. And the most prominent of them have had a, a tough ride. Yeah. Uh, a, a, not as bad as it could have been. Certainly nothing like it would have been if they'd have made that maneuver, say, in 1995 or 1990 or 1985. 
but uh, uh, okay, they, they've made history. They will go down in history. Uh, and that is how this thing ended. I, it, it had to end some way. There's a lot of ways it could have happened. This way makes sense to some degree. Uh, and it's been not too long. Uh, the, the world has obviously learned an enormous amount about this phenomenon in the last six years. Uh, there's been huge amounts of media coverage. Thousands of articles over the last six years, yeah. all archived. Uh, the more, the best ones already archived on my website. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, again, and the result of that is when the president discloses, it will just not that be that big a, a surprise. Mm -hmm. It will not be anywhere near as shocking as it could have been. Uh, it will almost be anticlimactic. And then as the other heads of state disclose, again, same thing. So... In a way, maybe that's the way it should have been. If you've been in this field a long time, I have colleagues that have been in for 30, 40, 45, 50 years. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal this last six years to have it stretch out and stretch out. But ultimately, it's 75 years. That's 76 years. If you look at some of the major activist movements in history, they take that long or yeah. longer before you finally get the prize. So we shouldn't complain too much. The thing is, well, it has got, although a lot of people think it's not got a lot of good coverage with the main media outlets, but it has. There's been there's been a lot of traction with it. It's maybe not had the recycling in the news cycles coming through and through. You would get some other stories, but they're always there um, coming through. You just need to know where to look and um, they do filter through. As you said, you've got, I could say, probably every one of them or most of them on your, your website. Um, they're there, so... Uh, you yeah, want to know yeah. which nation ha has the most coverage in yeah. terms of articles? United Kingdom. Yeah. Daily Star. Daily Mail. Daily Mail. Yep. Guardian. Express. Okay. Mm -hmm. The Mirror. The Times of London is too, too yeah. sophisticated, too, too. Uh, how would you say? I don't know. Elite uh, yeah. to bother, yeah. and it it's written almost nothing to its disgrace. Yeah, and hopefully they'll apologize for that. But uh, the number of articles is massive. Uh, the UK uh, people who who read their news tabloids, mm -hmm. uh, pretty educated on this issue. I've given many lectures there. I've, I've actually had a lecture tour of the Europe that included the UK. Uh, I am looking forward to coming back to speak. I hope to very large audiences throughout mm -hmm. the United Kingdom and Ireland uh, about this issue. Uh, the, the, I've had good times there. They treated me very well. I've spent a lot of time in the UK. I'm I haven't been back in a long time. And I, I think I, it would be cool if my return to the UK is to speak to the British people, the Irish people, Scottish people about this phenomena and how to, how to deal with it in the post-disclosure world. Mm -hmm. I would hope I would be welcomed and uh, look forward to that. Definitely. Well, you you know it's going to be needed um, post disclosure because there's, there's there's so many people going to be needing information. There's so many politicians needing information. Um, our politicians over here, the now are I, I couldn't imagine any of them knowing anything. To be honest with you, although um, well, I've got a movement here as well, trying to contact them and email them and and, and things like that. But it'll happen pretty quickly, um, as you see, as things come on. If it, if the capital D disclosure does happen. Um, and it gets processed, and then especially in the five eyes, you know what I mean. So they'll they'll obviously be linked in, and they'll need to discuss it. Mm -hmm. 
and it'll be interesting as well to see how because state of Scotland we're under a devolved government. Um, the U the UK government and then we've got a devolved government in Scotland and there's one in Wales, and we we've got our own kind of policies and that for like things like healthcare and things. So it's interesting to see if if this is used as a bit of football <laughs> to try and get at the the UK government if they're not um, coming forward and disclosing things that it should be. Oh, Scotland Scotland has actually done a couple of things on this issue a little bit, uh, and that's fine. Um, well, let let me. Let, you mentioned something I want to follow up on, uh, and that is that you pointed out something very important. The day after disclosure, to one degree or another, eight billion people are going to want to know something. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot to tell. It's a huge amount of information, and they all they you know, a lot of the eight billion are going to want to know all of it is right away. So this is, and there's going to be this learning curve where the entire world, to whatever degree it wishes, is going to get try to get up to speed on this, get caught up. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a massive need for content generation. Uh, certainly documentaries, fiction, fiction based on true stories, right? All that. Yeah. Uh, and other forms of content. Uh, God knows that the modern world is great at creating content. Uh, but it's going to be uh, in great need right away. Yes. So uh, another project that I recently launched is to service that. And it, it was launched on November 1. It's still in development, but it's doing okay. Uh, it's called the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Now, this is focused on the U.S. pretty much, but we have members that are, gonna, are outside the U.S. Essentially, the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance was created as a networking entity between the entire content creating industry, the professionals, and the UAP ET disclosure researchers, activists, journalists, witnesses, uh, that whole the whole world, that UAP, what we'll call yeah. UAP world, uh, the, who have been working on this forever with very little money while being told they're crazy, et cetera, et cetera. We know <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and make it easy for them to connect. And so what, what is a nonprofit? It will be a 501c3. And at this point, we have 25 entertainment industry professionals who are founding members. Their name and bio, or their yeah, their photo and bio is up on the in our on the website, HollywoodDisclosureAlliance.org. Mm -hmm. And we have 42 UAP ET individuals with substantial time and grade dealing with this issue up on as founding members on that side on, on the page. We have a board of 20. Uh, who are board members. Uh, the board is, these are people that are deeper into the issue and they're like ambassadors uh, for the HDA. And then we have a, a uh, an executive committee that runs it. So this is the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. And it is nonprofit, non-commercial. We're basically saying here, here is who the people that are already into this issue, particularly in the film industry, they, they're interested, get in touch and we'll help them get in touch. Right? Mm -hmm. And then they'll do whatever they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. Series, films, docs, whatever. That's their business. We just help them get together. And that's all we do. Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Uh, it has the potential to be very impacting. Mm -hmm. uh, our goal is to get up to 150, <clears throat> 200 founding members, uh, about the same on both sides, fairly substantial board of maybe 30 to 40, 35 or 40. Uh, and, um, 
be raising money that will allow us to do a number of things as a nonprofit to enhance further this networking process. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's modeled after the Holly, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, environmental disclosure uh, association. I'm sorry. The environmental meet the environmental. What, what am I trying to say? The environmental media association, EMA. Yeah. <clears throat> that was launched in 1990s by uh, Norman Lear, who just recently passed. Norman Lear was a giant of American television. Uh, it was launched uh, with a million-dollar uh, award banquet to bring the professional film industry networked with the entire environmental activist movement, which was vast, all right? Yeah. Big yeah. deal. Yeah. And it's yeah, still around nice. today, 30 years later. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to that site, EMA, Environmental Media Association, we are a more narrow cast concept, mm -hmm. but it's basically the same concept, but it's it's a fairly it's it's more narrow cast. The issue is essentially the disclosure in the post-disclosure world. Now, the post-disclosure world has a unlimited number of things that are going to happen and an unlimited need for information. Yeah. But it's again, there, there, there's a, a fairly narrow activist movement there, whereas in the environmental movement there was just countless organizations so it was a big deal and and norman lear one of his great contributions god bless him uh and so this is the hollywood disclosure alliance we are in need right now of film professionals uh content professionals film television entertainment music uh as founding members because we we need to have a balance here and it's obviously i've got people lined up in the UAPT world uh, yeah. to be founding members. You know, they're in a holding pattern over Glendale at 10,000 feet. <laughs> so we're looking for such professionals. If you if you like the concept, get in touch with me or get in touch with my partner, Dan Harari. Our contact is up there and let us know your interest and who you are. And if it's appropriate, we'll bring you a founding member. Now, it doesn't cost anything. There's no charge. All you're doing is endorsing the concept. And mm -hmm. making yourself available to networking, mm -hmm. uh, that's it, right? And so we need more of the, uh, the professionals in, in, in any country, mm -hmm. right? It's not just the U.S. Obviously, a massive content industry is based in Los Angeles County, I yeah. assure you, uh, all over. Hollywood has come to symbolize it, but Hollywood is just, you know, it's just a little town in the middle of Los Angeles County. It's got a big name. But believe me, industry is spread everywhere and also in multiple countries. And so we have no trouble facilitating networking anywhere. Uh, this and, and, and now the way media is created, a movie can have input coming from seven different countries, right? Yes. Yeah, totally. So it's no big deal. But so we're not limited in that sense. But everyone will be in the same boat. They'll either be in the UAPET uh, zone or they'll be in the uh, entertainment industry zone. That's good because you, the amount of people who's going to be um, searching for knowledge, looking for knowledge, and trying to take it on like a sponge everywhere. I mean, it's going to be a fun. Um, could you, I mean, in regards to it, I mean, um, from what's recently happened, obviously, I mean, do you reckon this has got a good potential to happen in January, or do you reckon it's going to kind of go further on? Is that a hope? <laughs> Again, uh, uh, all I can do is point out the the logic of it. Yeah, that the need for it. Yeah, uh, the reason why it's clearly doable, 
We've had a number of situations over the years where the door kind of opened. And if the door is kind of open, then you tell people to push on it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and, and tell them what the prospects are. I've been accused <laughs> of predicting disclosure over and over and over again. I get it. It's not what I do. Uh, I certainly don't say it's going to happen on a certain date no. or whatever. I certainly constantly present the prospects of it. And, 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 and when it's very favorable, I'm more aggressive. There have been times when I've said, it's no way. Yeah. Right. I've, I've repeatedly said that after 911, the whole disclosure process was essentially pushed aside. I mean, it was derailed mm -hmm. for years. Right. So, but that's okay. If I'm, if I'm going to, my label is going to be the eternal optimist uh, who kept predicting the inevitable. That's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but it will happen. I guarantee you. Yeah. The truth embargo will end. Period. There is it's there's zero chance the truth embargo will not end in a reasonable amount of time. In other words, I'm not talking a thousand years. Yeah. I'm talking months. Years would shock me. Yeah. Weeks is possible, but it will end. We've never been uh, so close as yeah what it is now. We've never been so close. It's never been as, as far as this as the um especially in the US, you know what I mean? But it's, that's that'll be a domino effect if that kicks in um, in the US, for example, the UK. Um, but as, um, how long, I mean, how long do you think, let's say, for example, disclosure happens. Um, how long after that do you think people start talking about abductions and start Day bringing one. that, that to one. the kind of forefront? Day one. Day one. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, if if the president discloses on a Friday night or over the weekend so that people have a little time to I don't know <clears throat> just chill right have a couple of beers <laughs> and steal themselves for what's coming uh, and so Monday morning a whole lot of journalists are going to pack the, the briefing rooms of every major and appropriate institution in this in this uh, city the briefing room at nasa the briefing room at the white house the you know the the, uh, the the defense department and the 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 spokesperson for these institutions is going to have to come out in front of the mic and start asking questions answering questions <laughs> there will you know the press you know i you know whether the president will start taking uh questions uh i don't think the president's not gonna be taking questions i think that the evening that he he confirms et presence but will he start taking i think then no, i think if i were the president i would let some of the people that know what the hell's going on start answering the questions initially yeah get things rolling <clears> and <throat> then follow that and come in but that's you know they're not, they're not I, I i'm only two blocks from the white house if they want my advice i'm happy to walk on over i assure you <laughs> uh but um um uh on day one it's going to be a rough time and as i said all of that we've seen the last six years is to get things together so when disclosure does take place the government's ready to go yeah someplace it's, it's all set Right. Yeah. Without that, it's total chaos. Yeah. And and that's what people are not getting. And I understand that, but I'm happy to tell them. Right? Mm -hmm. They already know about the ET presence. They've known for decades. This is about preparing for the post-disclosure world. 
So, but they have a problem. They have a huge public relations problem. This, this has been an ongoing lie, a transparently ongoing lie for seven and a half decades. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing there. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> you, you, you're deluded. No, I'm not. You're crazy. No, I'm not. The photo's fake. No, it isn't. And on and on and on and on. They have played this game for 75 years. The emperor's new clothes. Mm. In other words, they've been saying the emperor's got a great set of clothes. Uh, and like in the fable, the kid said, no, emperor's naked. No, no. <laughs> okay, well, basically, they've been saying that now for 75 years. And people by the thousands have been writing books and doing docs basically saying, no, the emperor's naked. And the government's saying, no, he's got clothes. And that's the way it is. And anybody who thinks differently is a tinfoil hat wearing nutter. Yeah. 76 <laughs> years of this. Okay. And so now the lie comes to an end. And they are facing brutal questions. Look, the U.S. has done some pretty awful things and ultimately sort of had to fess up and face some difficult questions. Yeah. But nothing quite like this. This is special. And so... Uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre, who is the, it may may still be the 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 the, the, uh, uh, the press person that handles those conferences at the White House. Yeah, if she's out there on that Monday morning, she's going to get questions almost right out of the gate, like this. Same over the DoD. Hmm. Hopefully, they'll handle it better than they handled the press conference they gave in 1997. Um, uh, uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre. When did the government really know that there was a this non-human presence, this ET presence? Answer: nineteen forty-seven. Maybe, maybe sooner. Could have been forty-five. Could have been forty-three. Nineteen forty-seven. Oh, really? Why didn't they? Why didn't the government tell us then? National security. Okay. All right. Next question: How long has the government had access to this non-human tech and has been researching and engineering it? Since the uh, 19, early 1950s, 40s. Hmm. Really? Well, why didn't, why didn't you, why did, why, why wasn't that technology made available to, to the American people or whatever to deal with the mounting problems we have? Yeah. National security. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. Next question. We have heard and seen a lot about from many people, researchers and what have you, about the fact that these extraterrestrials that now we know are here are taking people from their bedrooms, from their homes, even from their cars, and they're dealing with them in some form or fashion and then returning them. Mm -hmm. Is that happening? Answer, yes. <laughs> you see, this isn't 1969. This is in 1980. The, there's been huge amounts of written about this phenomena. These journalists yeah. know how to read. They can watch documentaries. They know about the contact phenomena. It's going to be asked on day one. The answer is yes. Next question. Why didn't the government do something about it? Answer. There's nothing we could do about it. Are you starting to see the public relations problems they're having here? Yeah. <laughs> you, you see how tough this is going to be? Mm -hmm. And it gets worse. I mean, I can keep going. Yeah, yeah. Relations just gets worse and worse. And so the the other very important reason we're going through this whole 
Mishigash to create all the structure and everything and do the right thing, even though they can't acknowledge the thing that they're doing the right thing for, is the people will be more reasonable. Hey, you did the right thing. You set up the organizations. You've done the hearings. You've you've established the basis to get this information to us. Let's just move forward together, right? Let's don't litigate the past. Bygones be bygones. Mm. It's a public relations maneuver as well as a preparation for the post-disclosure world. Uh, and once you get that, it all makes sense. And I have been doing scores and scores of podcasts giving that message over and over again. Nobody is doing this on mainstream media, not on News Nation, not on Fox, not on ABC, NBC, or anywhere else. They're just not mm -hmm. doing that. But I am because as an activist, I think it's the right thing. And the reason for that, and by the way, I've had some big, some, I've had some interviews scheduled at the last minute. I'm just told, don't, don't bother. In other words, somebody flagged them off, right? And said, no, 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 don't bring them on. Hmm. I get it because it's a little awkward, but they're missing the point. I hope CNN, MSNBC gets the point at some point or any of the other major entities. There is a reason why this needs to be discussed. And it's not complicated. Mm -hmm. The government has lied for 76 years. The government has had to misrepresent what's been going on the last six years. Mm -hmm. It's had to couch its language. It's had to be mendacious. It's had to play games. It's had to be whatever. It hasn't, it can just play it straight. I get it. Okay. But there was a higher purpose for it. They're trying to get to disclosure. And so by letting, I'm not suggesting that they do this, but I'm saying by, by allowing people to get on major media and, and say this. Yes. What's happening is the people then understand why they are not, cannot be straightforward and are having to continue to be mendacious as they set up for the disclosure event itself. And what that does is make it more authentic. In other words, they understand it is an authentic effort, even though it's not the truth yet. It is an authentic effort. And that takes a lot of the venom out of it. Mm -hmm. right? It's authentic. Yeah. And so I, I I don't know how to put it any other way, but if 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 people don't get it, what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to find out on a Monday morning that, yeah, we've been lying to you for 76 years. And then they're going to sit back and go, well, you've been lying to us for the last six years, right? The whole process of getting to telling us the truth, you've been lying your ass off. And so, yeah, I'm even madder, right? Can you people ever tell the truth? And so- it's it's a matter of providing a little more authenticity to the final weeks and months of the disclosure process. Actually, really, I've been talking about this now for years. Yeah. They look, folks, it's not about, but they're acting like it. And so when the, when the, when the UN says we've set up a, an investigative group to look into this issue, it's complete bullshit. All right. <laughs> Na the, the NASA, at least at the highest levels, administrators and so forth, of course, known about the ET presence from the day it was born in 1958. Yeah. Was it 58? Let's well, set up a panel. <laughs> so, so, again, but I get it. Yeah, it's I, get it. I yeah. understand they're, they're coming on board. 
and they've had and and Nelson has been pushed and he's had to say some things which I'm sure he wished he didn't have to say but I get it at least they're on board yeah and there's a lot of that on we're on board the boat okay so when the boat finally sails they can say we're on board don't be hard don't be too hard on us I know this sounds crazy but you know governments are like people their feelings could be hurt mm -hmm. it they 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 can feel shame Governments can feel awkward. Governments can want to avoid pain. We do it all the time. Our country does it all the time. The things we will go to to avoid any pain or embarrassment is rather large. We need authenticity and we need humility in government. We also need it in our, our leaders for sure and our people. Uh, authenticity and humility will get us exactly where we need to go. And let me tell you, it's in short supply. I'm hoping that disclosure event will be the trigger Perhaps the age of authenticity and humility. Authenticity, because we've ended the biggest lie of all time, and, and now it's almost essential to tell the truth. Any attempt to lie after that would be very, very unwise. And humility, because we're not the only species in the galaxy, we're not the smartest species in the galaxy, we're not the most advanced species in the galaxy, and pick any level, right? pick anything there's there's entities out there doing it better than us we're mm -hmm. part of something so vast it's almost impossible to describe and yet we are important we are unique we are who we are and that's 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 something something to be it's important yeah and definitely. when it comes to the best things we do proud but let me tell you if you can't be humble before the reality of the extraterrestrial presence, then you will never find humility. And there's some people governing us right now who will never find humility. And the sooner they're gone from the stage, out of our lives, yeah, the better. And I'm talking about globally, not just to the U.S. Yeah, yeah, totally. Arrogance uh, and duplicity, hypocrisy, mm. they don't work. All you get is pain and suffering and things blowing up, for God's sake. So I'm hoping disclosure brings in the great age of authenticity, humility, and the great age of reform, which is what authenticity and humility leads to, where we actually start fixing things instead of blowing things up. Mm -hmm. That would be it nice. Okay. Be a difference. Be a difference anyway, definitely. So that's why I do what I do. Uh, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm right. I could be wrong. We might squander this opportunity. We've squandered many others. I hope we don't. Uh, hope we don't. This I think we're really, really close this time, and I, I really hope we don't. And uh, um, listen, I appreciate all you do, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners um, do as well. And um, do you want to tell my listeners again where they can find you? Put all your links in the show notes, anyway, but you want to just say it verbally so they can. Yeah, some quick, quick promos, please. Uh, HollywoodDisclosureAlliance.org. Check it out. We're lo particularly looking for more founding members in the entertainment industry. All right, professionals. Okay. Uh, shift Storm at shift, shift Storm, don't forget the F, dot org. You can find out everything you need to know and be part of it. <clears throat> we, we, we need we need now, by the way. I mean, by the end of the month. But they come back, they come back from vacation around January 2, 3, somewhere in there. And we want that their, their email boxes and, and Twitter notification boxes filled with thousands and thousands and thousands of basic, polite, but firm request we want those hearings we want them in january okay also uh i will be speaking uh february i think it's 
9 to 12, but you have to check the Conscious Life Expo, LAX Hilton, Los mm -hmm. Angeles, anticipating 25,000 people will be there. Uh, I will be speaking and help to produce the Contact in the Desert Conference, which is going to be May 30 to June 3 in Indian Wells Resort, south of Palm Springs. Uh, we anticipate twice as many people as last year. It's going to be a big, big deal. Uh, and, well, depending upon what happens between now, now and then, could be quite energetic. The bigger deal. At least. <laughs> yeah. uh, and all I can say about that, contactinthedesert.com, and also link on my my main web webpage is uh you know you buy your tickets when you buy your tickets but if you want to be in that hotel you need to book now don't wait book immediately right and uh if you're trying to book other hotels outside of the main indian renaissance resort uh the price is going to start going up you, you need to book as soon as possible get your room once you get your room you go okay uh then you can buy your tickets when you can buy your tickets uh so that's coming um, and is there anything else? You know, there's one other thing. What is it? Um, if you don't book a room, you'll need to get a tent. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, my colleague, Danny Sheehan, has launched his think tank, New Paradigm Institute, now has an office in Washington. Uh, they're going to be raising millions of dollars. Uh, they've raised some money already. Mm -hmm. uh, check it out, newparadigminstitute.org. Uh, this is going to be a major think tank with a very substantial, uh, you know, this is high level uh, uh, advisory board and what have you. And it's all about the post-disclosure world. So those that would like to support a think tank engaging the post-disclosure world, donate. Uh, Paradigm Research Group will, will anticipating what's coming, will will convert to a 501c3 soon and 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 change its from being what I would call, well, it'll still be an activist organization, but it will be a, a think tank mm -hmm. and it will operate more like a think tank addressing the issues of the post-disclosure world. And I'm based two blocks from the White House and Danny Sheehan's uh, Washington office is one block from the Capitol. So we're nicely positioned. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what that. So that, that's my promos. I thank you so much, Christopher, for your time. Look forward to coming and seeing you in uh, Scotland and and maybe speaking uh, in, in the UK. Yeah, definitely look us up if you're across here um, and appreciate all you do and appreciate coming on tonight at so short notice. So Steve, it's been wonderful having you on and hopefully speak to you again soon. Yes, take care.